0: When I got saved in 1990, my mom and dad had taken me to church most all of my life, at least on Christmas and Easter. (coughs) I never knew what it was like to be a Christian outside of praying a sinner's prayer. If I'd have died, I wouldn't have went to heaven. My concept of salvation wasn't biblical but it was what Christianity had presented to me. And when I got born again in 1990, and you'd have to understand I was a drug addict and an alcoholic, raised in an amazing family with a hard-working father that provided more than enough for his family. But it wasn't a, a godly home. But when I got saved in 1990, and I began to open the Bible and I began to read the Word of God, I felt like I'd been cheated all my life.
1: Yeah. Say that.
0: I felt like I got robbed yeah. because I'd have never been a drug addict. I'd have never run guns. I would have never have been abusive. I would have never had the anger and the resentment and the things that I carried in my heart for so many years if I would have just known what it meant to be born again. To really know what it means to have Christ truly in my life. Yeah. So I made a decision many years ago. When I surrendered to the call of God in my life that I would tell people the truth no matter how challenging it is. No matter whether it made them angry because I would have rather have been angry.
2: Yes, sir.
0: And somebody told me the truth. Than have been made happy by the message they gave me, but yet they had lied to me and let me live a self-destructive life. Tonight, I'm just getting my composure back, so let me just uh, fumble all over myself, if I will, for just a minute. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 26 tonight, and I just want to tell you how honored I am to be in this room tonight. You will never know. First of all, your pastor captured my heart the first day I met him. My heart just opened up. Paul won my heart. And uh, I'll never forget the first time I, I hugged his neck. I, I felt like I was hugging my brother. I, I, it was just that way. And uh, I knew that uh, that he, I had a friend for life. It wasn't earned, it wasn't built with trust, and. All of the things that we go through to establish relationships, it was instantaneously. And I, uh, I'm so honored. Tonight, the, the, the presence of God in this room, the fear of the Lord in this room is unprecedented. I haven't felt this in all of the places that I've traveled, all the places I've been in, all the revivals I've been a part of. I've not felt what's in this room. You have something wow. extremely, extremely holy. And very precious. Listen, I'm gonna tell you what Todd told me in the beginning days when the North Georgia revival started. And he would call me. I never knew from one week, Paul, to the next, if I would be there or wouldn't be there. He didn't know. They would go in the staff meetings on Monday and pray, and we never I never knew if I was coming back or what would happen. He'd call me and he'd say, he'd say, Lance, just just pray. Just pray. Don't just just walk softly. Don't spook the dove. And I'm telling you, walk softly with this. Yes. Be careful. Pastor Todd said it a thousand times. He said, hold it loosely, but guard it ferociously. Amen. You've got something special here. Yes. And I believe I have a word for this body and for those that are in this room today about Indiana. And I need tonight for you to hear from the word of the Lord. I'm not, I didn't have anything till I walked in this pulpit. I didn't know exactly what direction I would go. But tonight I want you to hear, not a sermon, but I want you to hear a prophetic word tonight. I believe that God's given me for this house and for this region. God has called this place to be an instrument and a catalyst for transformation and change of this city. For not just this city, but this entire region. And I believe that your assignment is critically important. And I'm going to begin to make some profound statements. Don't get mad. Just listen for just a minute. I do come with a disclaimer, by the way. But I need you to understand that, that that politics and legislation are never going to change our country. It's never going to fix the problems that we have in America because they've never been the answer, nor will they ever be the answer. The answer has always been and will always be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and until we come to the fullness of the revelation and the understanding of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us we will always set dormant as it relates to the assignment and the purpose of God for our life we have got to understand that we are his body in the earth and if we don't like the, the, the condition of the world we live in then we must allow him to live through us and by him living through us he will change the environment in which we live of he is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's not done with His church because His church is the body. We have not come to the end of the church age. You need to hear me. The church will never be conquered. It will never be overcome. It will never be prevailed against because it's His body. If you don't believe it, just look back to the tomb. They did everything they could to kill Him and silence Him. And they to the point, they shut Him in a tomb. But on the third day, He rose again. And the purpose of that resurrection that day was to establish a body. He told them in the word of God, if you tear this temple down in three days, I'm going to build it back up. You do understand he was sown so that he could give birth to a new body. And the reason that we're able to do the works that he did in greater is because he's not contained to one physical body, but he is in the body of every true believer and follower of him. The fullness of the one who raised Lazarus from the dead four days and stinking is the same Jesus that lives inside of you. Oh, the same one that turned the world upside down is the same one that lives inside of you in him, through him, by him were all things created the God who spoke in the midst of the darkness and created everything that we know today is the God that lives inside of you you understand that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 for us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him you can't know about God, you gotta know God I need to say that again. You can't know about God, you got to know God. You can't just understand theologies about God, you got to know the God of the theology. Can I go a little further with you today? You can't just know stories about the God who was and the God who shall be, but you got to know the God who is a very present help in a time of trouble. And you've got to understand the magnitude of who he is. You've got to understand that there is no devil in hell that can do anything to stop what his will and purpose is. And you've got to understand that he chose to put his authority, his power, his anointing on the inside of you. That's why Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's why the Bible, oh God, that we've got to understand who He is that lives inside of us because the next statement that Paul prayed was that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened to the hope of His calling. Everybody said the hope of His calling. And then he goes on to say the inheritance that is within the saints. Not an inheritance coming to us. He wasn't talking about the pearly gates. He's talking about the one who lives on the inside of you. The church when we talk about the Holy Spirit in us and we talk about hosting the Holy Ghost and we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about the baptism of some third watered down version of God. We're talking about the feeling of the fullness of God living on the inside of us and if we don't know who He is, then we're moved by the, by the complexity of problems that we're facing in our nation. We're moved by all of the cultural issues and the addictions and the conflicts and the political corruption. And we look at it in despair. But when you know who's in you and the assignment that is upon you, you're not moved by the conditions of what the media is propagating. You're moved by who He is and what He desires to do in the earth today. It's not His will that we perish. It's not His will that the church be conquered and overcome. It's the very reason that Jesus took them. To the, very, to the very gates of hell which was the, the opening for the pan-god. It was literally the place where all of the false gods of, of that generation were at. And He took them to the gates of hell, stood them right there where supposedly all of the demons and all of the devils and all of the evil spirits would move and come in and out of, of this cave. And He took them to that opening and He said right here, the very gates of hell shall not prevail Against the church. And do you understand that when he to them in that generation, when he told them that, they understood there's no devil, there's no, there's no false God, there's nothing, not even the governmental institutions of the world, for they were as well represented in that place as the false gods were. And he said, No, listen, no gates of hell will prevail against my church. I need you to understand something tonight. There is no governmental institution. There is no devil. Nor is there any sin that's happening right now in our nation that the gates of hell will prevail against because the church will be triumphant. She will be an overcomer. And she will fulfill the will of God in the earth. God's not coming back after a defeated people hiding in caves. He's coming back after a church preaching the kingdom of God in the earth. He's coming back after a body that is adorned in white raiment. He's coming back after a people that know who He is and fulfilling His purpose. And it's not the superstar preachers. And it's not it's not the Hollywood glamorous uh, pulpiteers. It's going to be the body of Christ. It's going to be the you. It's the one that's sitting in this room right now that never thought they could ever be used. That never thought they had what it took. You are the ones that God is looking to use in this hour. Oh, His church His body For them to come to the revelation Of who lives inside of them And I need you to understand That what we've done as a generation Is this alright pastor it, What we've done as a generation Is what we've done is simply this We have failed to understand Our assignment we put it on everybody else mm. We've made it to be the preacher's fault The church's fault Well you are the church hello somebody and, and what we did is we began to change theology and we began to change doctrine because we weren't seeing the manifestation of who God really is in the earth so we began to rewrite doctrine to take away the power of God the authority of God the purpose of God we even wrote listen we even wrote theology that took the responsibility off of the church and put it on the sovereignty of God uh oh that, maybe that didn't go over well I'm going to make just a profound statement I don't want to get into a theological sermon but I'm going to make a profound statement of truth if you don't like the condition of what's going on in your environment then it's about time you turn the light on and get rid of the darkness because the light of God ain't in a building somewhere the light of God is on the inside of you and darkness has always fled when the light comes on Darkness has no ability to overcome light. But but listen, light always overcomes darkness. When you turn the light on, darkness flees. It is not an entity. It can only exist in the absence of light. And God said, you're the light of the world. So if you don't like the evil in the world, turn the light on. Don't rewrite your theology to blame it on God. Hello, somebody. Be the instrument that God uses to bring change. You carry the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. You carry the anointing. Don't go play in another person's river when God said you're supposed to be the river. If you play in another man's river, you will dance in the river, you'll sing in the river, you'll enjoy the river because even the heathens can feel the presence of God. And if you don't listen to this, if you play in the river, as soon as you get out of the river, you dry up. Uh Uh-oh. You'll you'll go to revival, feel the presence go, oh, it was great. And you'll go home and be as dry as Grandma's three-day-old Biscuit and then you become a revival junkie you start chasing revival around oh I got to go to the next meeting where the presence of the Lord is and we're all looking for a move of God but I need you to understand today God don't want you playing in somebody else's river God wants you to become the river God wants you to come and give yourself to Him that He can flow in you and through you that you don't have to chase revival you are revival you don't have to pray for an awakening you have become the awakening you become the conduit and when the, when the river flows out of your belly as the word said you don't dry up when you go home my goodness but you gotta you, here's, here's what I want you to hear tonight I'm, I'm going to Matthew I promise you I'm headed there in just a second but I, I, need, you, I need you to hear this you gotta know who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you in your assignment. Don't write rewrite theology to try to, pay, to take the authority and the power away from who God is because that power lives inside of you. The power to turn cities and regions and nations upside down is on the inside of you. You're here to take territory church. Listen I understand we need the safe place of the church. It's important that we have those as I, I heard heard Jeremiah say this week, talking about the settlers, we need the settlers but even the settlers have an assignment and our assignment is the culture and the generation in which we live the cities that God put us in, that we're to carry the glory to the workplace we're to carry it to our schools we're to carry it everywhere we go, that the message of the gospel is in all of us and if God changed me, he could change anybody If God delivered me from a $250 a day cocaine habit, broke me from being a womanizer, He can change anybody. If God could turn my language around, God can change anybody's language. If God could teach me to be a father, He can teach anybody to be a father. If God could teach me how to be a husband and love my wife like Christ loved the church, then He can do it for anybody. And that message and that power and that authority lives on the inside of you. You carry the glory. You carry the authority. And you carry the power. So we can't neuter the church by by, by coming up with theologies about the power of God departing and leaving. That, That power is in you. And these divine revivals and the breathing of God on His body again is to bring transformation and change. And we've got to say, God, if I'm not walking in it, then, then, then what is it you need to change in me? Instead of blaming everybody else, God, what do you got to change in me? Do you understand? I'm not looking to anything else other than looking inside of me and saying, God, what do you got to change in me? What else needs to die so you can trust me with your glory? In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus has gone to the garden. He's fully God incarnate in the flesh. He knows what is before him. And the Bible says that he took three of his disciples with him. Peter, John, and James. And he took them and asked them to watch and to pray. Not for him, but for them. Because the hour of temptation was coming. And the key to them conquering and overcoming was in their ability to pray. I need to tell you that your ability to conquer and overcome the challenges and the temptations that are coming is going to come through your ability to bow your knee and seek his face when it's not convenient. Oh. We have to understand the urgency in which we are. We know that the disciples failed that because they they didn't. They went to sleep. They, they fell weak to the flesh. Even Jesus told them the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. They fell weak to the flesh, but Jesus, the Bible said, went in and began to pray. And the Bible said that he prayed an antagonistic prayer, literally. That it was such a heavy prayer. That it was almost as if the weightiness of death was upon him. And it was. And he prayed not one time, but three times. That if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But his reply each time was, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Say it again. "Not Not my will, but thy will be done. And the reason he was praying that prayer was simply because he understood that that he had to lay down his life for humanity. He understood his assignment, and we've been lied to, church. We think that we're supposed to come to Jesus so He can serve us for the rest of our life. The truth is, Jesus never gave that kind of invitation. The invitation that Jesus gave to you and I was the same invitation that the Father gave to Him, and that was to take up our cross. Not. Not one time, but every day and follow Him. In other words, I want you to accept an invitation to die. Not just today, but every day. Jesus' entire message was, follow me. And he told him, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. He said, let me present to you the responsibility that is on you if you're going to be my disciple. Jesus never called you to be a believer. He called you to be a follower. Because real faith and belief in Jesus will result in you becoming a follower. And to become a follower, you've got to die to yourself. Somebody say, there's a cross in our future. Not just one time, but every day there's a cross. A willingness to take up the cross and die to your own self. Jesus, being fully God in the flesh, didn't go to the garden one time. He went to the garden three times in preparation. God, give me the grace to die. Wow. Give me the grace to lay down my life. Not my will, but thy will be done. And he prayed to the point that he sweat if it were great drops of blood. Are y'all hearing me, church? When was the last time that we got on our faces and cried out to God, God, give me grace to die today. Give me the strength to lay down my life that it's not me, but I'm coming willfully to lay down my life. Everything that I am, my reputation, my my need to defend myself, my need to be right about every manner, my, my, my rights to be able to have whatever it is I want in life. The willingness to lay down my agenda for His agenda. The willingness to lay down my aspirations for His will and His purpose. To lay down my own zeal and my own passions and my own ambitions. To take upon myself His desires for my life and for my family. That I will lose my purpose and gain His purpose. The Bible said he made himself of no reputation. He was fully God in the flesh. He knew who he was. He was equal with God, the Word says. Not me, the Word says. But yet he made himself of no reputation. In other words, who I am in the eyes of people does not matter. doesn't matter what people think about me. All that matters is that I'm obedient to the will of the Father. When are we willing to lay it down? That it don't matter what people's opinion, whether it be our family, whether it be our friends, even if it be our own children and be our own spouse, that God, even if they don't understand me, it has to be your will in my life. When I got radically saved in 1990, my wife wasn't radically saved at the time. And it was only the fact that I chose to follow Christ and not back away. Even when she thought I had lost my mind and had become mentally deranged. Because in most people, normal Christianity is being out of your mind in the eyes of somebody who is religiously lukewarm. They think you've lost your mind, got brainwashed and become a part of an occult. Can I get a amen in here today? because when you get radically sold out for God they think you've flipped your rocker but God calls it normal Christianity and and listen they don't always know but it was that steadfastness that my wife came to Christ my dad was not a born again believer but it was the steadfast life of my brother and myself that got radically saved that my dad in his living room gave his life to Jesus and became radically transformed You understand that we have got to live it even when our own families have become our enemies. Uh, So, the call is to take up the cross. Everybody say, take up the cross. And the Bible said that he went in and prayed three times. The message tonight is not about that he went in and just prayed, but I want to set the tone of what it took for him to die to his own reputation, to die to who he was. And I'm going to show you what that means, and I'm going to give him an invitation in just about five minutes. Watch this. The Bible said Judas came forward, and behind him was the Roman soldiers and the Sadducees and the, and the, and the Pharisees and others that had joined Because it's amazing how you can heal the sick and you can minister to the broken and the hurting and find the same people you just laid your life down and and ministered to and took the time and poured into them and the very same ones cry, crucify you. Oh, And then, now now, can I I just preach right here for just a minute? And yet we're going to go home because somebody hurt our feelings by talking behind our back. We're going to quit the gospel and walk away from church because somebody talked about us on social media or somebody didn't pick up the phone and call us because we didn't have enough love for God to get up out of the the bed and go to church on Sunday. Oh, no, 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 no. I felt that kickback. We get our feelings hurt over such minute things. God called you to be lions, church. He called you to be the front line warriors that are in a battle right now to take the nation and we're going to go home because somebody wrote something about us on social media. Because somebody got our chair and didn't speak to us. Come on, God needs somebody that's got a little thicker skin than that. I don't want in the foxhole with somebody home sucking their thumb because they didn't get a phone call because they didn't come get a call about not coming to church. Is that okay? How many military people we got in the room? Do you want in the foxhole with a sissy like that? Me neither. But yet we're in a battle today that is greater than any battle that's ever been known. This is the war against life and death. This is the war against light and darkness. This is the light for the kingdom that conquers the kingdom of darkness. There's a war. And the war is over your children. It's over your grandchildren. It's over the destiny that Christ gave His life for for you. And you're the front line. God's got to grow us up, church. we got to die to the things that, that, that we're yielding ourselves to in the flesh. Whew. And the Bible said that, that Judas came and he's, all of these followers are coming. Jesus has been in their streets teaching. He's been healing their sick. And now they're coming with an army. They've got, their, they've got their armor on. They've got their swords. They've got their staves. They're coming fully armed for battle. For a man that didn't do nothing but heal the sick. Raise the dead. Open the blinded eyes. Set the captives free. Heal the brokenhearted, And they're coming in military force. And they're coming being led by one of Jesus' very own disciples. The person he picked, the person he chose, the person he loved, the person he had just broke bread with. Y'all ain't hear me preach. He knows he's coming with betrayal. And the Bible said that he kisses Jesus on the cheek, turns him over to the hands of the soldiers. Are y'all with me? Backing him is the religious system of that community. Oh. All the chiefs. Pharisees and the chief priests, they're all there. The whole religious system is coming for it. Can I tell you something? If you're going to host the glory of God, the religious system is coming after you. The world's coming after you. God's got to have a people that say, come on. I'm going to serve God no matter what you say about me, no matter how you oppose me. You can take me, incarcerate me, but God, I'm going to serve you despite what they do. And the Bible says, and and let me just say this to you. I'm talking to a generation of people that God is not looking to have to kill you. God doesn't want dead sacrifices. In the New Testament, according to Romans 12, 1, he's looking for living sacrifices. Amen. Say that would be living sacrifices. Amen. You're not to walk as everybody else walked. You're to walk as Jesus walked. Jesus became the first living sacrifice. He was the first one that the priest did not have to slit his throat before he was placed upon the altar. Y'all, y'all not hear me preach. He said, no man takes my life, but I lay my life down. God needs somebody full of life, full of the feelings, full of the understanding of what they're walking into. said, nobody's going to cut my throat. Nobody's going to lay me on an altar dead. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to climb upon the altar and put my life. God's looking for somebody to lay their life down. Not for you to have to go through circumstances that kill you. See the problem is we'll go through circumstances that kill us. And and you're going to die one way or another. (laughs) Because he that begunneth the good work in you is going to perform it under the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's not just the author of your faith, he's the finisher of your faith. Y'all, y'all don't hear me preach today. Listen, you're in this thing. He is not going to leave you alone. Don't you know that he told Saul, it's hard, son, to kick against the prince. It's a bloody, painful mess to try to fight God. But God doesn't want somebody fighting against the process. He wants somebody that understands it's my responsibility to take up my cross, to lay my life down, That I walk after Him, not after the 21st century church model. I'm not following the institutionalized church of America. I'm following the example of my Redeemer and my Savior. I'm not called to be created in the image of a church institution. I'm called into the image of Jesus. I'm not being conformed to the image of my grandmother's church. I'm being conformed to the image of Jesus. Ah. And Jesus lays his life down. I'm going, I'll I'll get through this quickly. Let Let me just get there. So he gets kissed on the cheek. The soldier sees him. Watch this. And old Peter, full of faith and full of himself, jerks out his sword. After all, he had just told Jesus just a little while ago, listen, I'm willing to die for you. He said, the truth is, Peter, you're not who you think you are. And you will never really know who you are until you have died to who you are. Mm. Until you die to yourself, you will really never ever know who you are. That's why we have people today in our culture. They don't know their identity. They struggle with identity, whether it's sexual or whatever it is. They're struggling with their identities. You know why they're struggling with their identities? Because they don't know who they are. And you will never know who you are until you know who He is. And the only way to really know who He is is to die to who you are. You've got to lose your identity. To understand the identity is to be formed in the image of Him. Are y'all with? Did y'all get that? Yeah. From the beginning, He created man in His own image, and He created them to have dominion. Yes, sir. Why are we letting the enemy reign? Unless we just forfeit it over to Him because of lack of understanding of who we are. The lack of understanding of who he really is. And the Bible says that now watch this. Peter pulls out his sword. He hacks the ear off of the of the, of, of, of the soldier. Now watch this. Jesus heals the ear, and this is what he said. Put up your sword again into its place. Verse 52. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Now watch what he said in verse 26. This is the end of what I have to say today. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall, watch this, presently. Say that, presently. He said, don't you think that right now I can pray to my Father and right now he will send me a minimum of 12 legions of angels. Yeah. Come on now. Right now, if I ask Him, He'll send them. That's right. He had the authority. He had the power. He had the influence of the Father. That presently, He said not later, wouldn't, might do it. He said He will send. Right now, 12 legions of angels. Yes, sir. 77 minimum thousand angels to come and smite every Roman soldier. To destroy Rome in an instant. That would have annihilated the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Y'all ain't hear me. Would have dealt with the betraying, with the betraying Judas. Are y'all, are y'all... In other words, I, he said, I've got the power. Do you not know? I have the authority. And I can call them out of heaven. My Father will send them at my request. Amen. But then he says in the next verse, but then how shall the scripture be fulfilled? See, I have a question for you tonight. It's not a problem of God's authority. It's not a problem of God's power. It's there and it is the heart of the Father to give us that authority, that power, the ability to pray and legions of angels respond. That is the heart of the Father because He longs to rule and to reign in the earth through you. He said, let me teach you how to pray, church. When you pray, pray this way. My kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is no negotiation in heaven when God beckons a command. There is not a committee to rationalize what God said and decide if it was His will or not. When God speaks, the cherubims bow. When God speaks, the angels move. And God said, I want my will done on earth the same way it's done in heaven. Amen. I want my kingdom to come on earth just like it is in heaven. Amen. I want my authority, I want my will to be established in the earth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. You are the dwelling place of God. Yes. And where there is a temple, there's a throne. Yes. And that throne is the heart of every man and woman who is submitted to the will of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of God is within you, the Bible says. But if he's not Lord of your life, his kingdom ain't coming. And with submission to his will comes the authority and the power. But see, here's the problem. Does God have a generation that he can trust? Because I wonder how many of us, if God really bestowed on us the authority... Really the power. Listen, your grandma would be 296 years old because you would never let her die and go be with Jesus. No, now look, I felt that. Just lighten up. Y'all still love me, right? You would keep her alive forever. You would never let her go home to her eternal rewards because we're selfish. Because we're self-centered. We would call down 12 legions of angels and we would smite the Romans. We would smite the person that offended us in church last month. We would use the anointing to heal the sick, to promote our personal ministries. And to promote and build numbers in our church where we could preach at more conferences and sell more books. Y'all are not hearing me preach so that we could live in bigger houses and drive better cars. And my God, this generation has seen enough of that stuff. It is time that God had a generation of people that He can trust with His glory. Yes, enough people that are dead that God's will will come above our will. Amen. Somebody that he said, you're dead, son. You're dead, daughter. And you want nothing but what has been written. That you want my word and my will more in your life than you want your own ministry. You want my will more than you want your personal dreams. Because in the generation that we presently exist in, we feel like that Jesus died to give us the American dream. We feel like that, that God came to serve us for our own selfish ambitions. James wrote and told us we have not because we ask not. But that's not all the text says. It says because we've asked amiss, we ask according to our own selfish, worldly desires. And God said all of this authority, all of the glory, all of the power to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to change the nations, I've given to the church. But i got to have a church that I can trust. I need you to hear this. Our Father's house. He chose you. You didn't choose this. He chose you. And he didn't choose you to start this with, with goosebumps. And he didn't choose you to start this with just with, with charismatic hype and, and and overflowing joyful rivers of excitement. He chose you because when the fear of the Lord sat down on this house, you responded. And you responded by saying, God, change me. Do you understand? God's looking for a generation that says, God, change me. Not Not God, I want to be a generation. I want to be a generation that, that heals the sick and raises the dead and, and casts out devils and opens the eyes of the right. I want to be a generation that you can change me, God, so that you can trust me. So that, God, I won't propagate my agenda. I won't propagate my will. But, God, I am dying that your will can be done and that I will never call down angels to execute vengeance because I got, I got upset with somebody. I, I got hurt by somebody. Because see the truth is the world that we have our fingers pointed at, they're our inheritance. Your enemies are your inheritance. I need to preach in here tonight. You overcome evil with good. You don't retaliate evil for evil. You conquer it with good. That takes God's will being done in your life. If you want to change people then you've got to give your life for the unworthies. Come on. You've got to lay down your life for the people that will never say thank you. Yeah. Come on. Come on. For the people that will never reward you. The heathen that we're pointing our fingers at church are our inheritance. Come on. Uh. They're our assignment. God sent you into a world that is lost. Yes, sir. Until I met Jesus, I didn't know no better. Until I met Jesus, I hated him. A guy got out of my a truck the other day at my home and he knew I was a pastor, and he gets out, and that other guy that's at my home working in construction was a pastor as well. And, and, and this guy gets out, and he starts kicking the van and slamming the doors open. He said, I can't believe he sent me to this GD Preachers to do this m and F job. I'm, just, I'm not saying those things. You, you understand, I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to give you, but he wasn't, he wasn't giving initials. I went and got in my truck and I told the contracts, I'll be back in a minute. And I I went to my bank and I got out cash. Because when he got out cussing me and he's never met me, I knew he was my assignment. And you don't conquer evil with evil. You conquer evil with love. I'm about to bless this man and I'm going to pray for this man and I'm going to show him the love of Jesus that though he cussed me out in my parking lot and it's on my cameras in my house. You know, I got them ring cameras around. (laughs) I got him outside, but I'm going to bless him. You understand, you can't bless those that curse. Must less decide, I'm going to pay the company. Several thousand dollars for sending a guy like that to my house. How do we respond? God needs a people that he can trust. Unfortunately, that man left the job before I could get back with the money. Because I had intentions of blessing him personally. Not the company he worked for. But the man before he left but he got mad and left and he lost his job he could have been blessed and he might have met Jesus I don't know but you'll never know until you die to yourself how can God trust us with the full authority and the power of heaven if we will use that kind of authority for our agenda and not his I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight God chose this house. Yes,
2: sir.
0: God chose you. He chose your pastors. He chose this region. Because this is not a one church movement. No, that's right. That's right. This is a kingdom movement. And for us to walk with one another, we're going to have to lay down our lives. He chose you. I believe He says, you're going to die well so that I can give you everything that you need to take this city. To take this region. To impact this nation. He's choosing you. Not because you will accept revival and go hallelujah and feel the, the glory of His presence. But you're going to allow His presence to transform you. Yes. Yes, sir. Because even in the middle of the glory erupting and the presence coming, your cry will remain in all of it, God give me grace to die. Yeah. Yeah. I- See the second time That Jesus went into that garden according to one of the accounts of the gospel. The Bible said he sent angels to minister to him. God sent angels to minister to the Son of God. Look at it, it's in the Bible. You know what those angels represented to you and I today? God sent grace, God's divine influence upon our lives, our hearts. So that it might reflect in our lives. God will send grace to the people who will die. God needs some people tonight in Avon, Indiana. To say, God, I'm bringing my life to this altar. And I'm not just going to bring it tonight. I'm going to bring it every day. And God, I'm not just going to take up my my cross today. I'm going to take it up every day. And God, I'm asking you for the grace to die today. God, change me till you can trust me. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but my greatest prayer is God changed me so you can trust me. I've done been there. I, I had a large, large ministry. You don't understand. I had that. I know what it's like to get up and pastor thousands of people, preach to 64 million people a day. I get it. I get it. But I'm telling you, God needs somebody that says, listen, I just want to die. I don't care if nobody ever knows my name. I don't care if anybody ever sees my face. As long as they know the name of the one that I represent, and they through my life can behold Him in some way. It's not about a great ministry. It's about dying so He can be made known. That's why Paul said, I carry about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life of Christ might be made manifest in my mortal flesh. If you want to carry a Christ anointing, then carry a Christ death. I'm asking you to die tonight. I'm not asking you to have to be drugged to an altar by circumstances like I had to at one time in my life. I'm asking you, don't waste years. I'm 56 years old, guys, and I wished I could go back and undo the years I wasted, but the one thing that I won't do is I won't waste the lesson that I learned. And that God give me the grace to affect a generation that don't have to make that mistake and don't waste 10 or 15 or 20 years because we don't have that time to waste. God needs you right now. God needs you today. God needs you tomorrow. He don't need you to have to wait 10 years to learn a lesson. He needs you to come to an altar and say, God, I lay my life down. Bow your heads with me all over this room. I want every man and woman in this room, if the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart tonight, if the Spirit of God is moving on you right now, and you feel that call to die tonight, you feel that call right now to say, God, I'm not dead enough. Lord, I need grace to die. If that's you, I want you right now all over this building. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Raise it high. There's a lot of people, I understand. But this is a big altar tonight. And I'm going to ask you tonight, however or wherever you have to, I'm going to ask you tonight to lay down your life. There there are only a few places in the Bible where you will find where Jesus groaned. And one of those places was in the garden when the Bible said he groaned. Tonight I'm praying for the spirit of intercession to come upon this house. But that spirit of intercession is not, God, give me a greater anointing. I pray the spirit of intercession come upon this house. God, give me grace to die. God, give me grace to lay it down tonight. May we travail as a woman giving birth to a child. May we cry, God, help me die tonight. Give me grace. Come on, intercessors. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. Why, your hand, remember what you raising your hand for. Pray. God, help us die tonight. Help us, Lord, to lay our lives down. Father, it's not about a feeling. It's not about an emotion. God, it's about a decision tonight that I'm bringing my life. Some of you need to come on down right now to this altar and lay it down. Some of you need to just right now find that physical place and say, God, I bring you my life. I bring you my reputation. I bring you my aspirations. I bring you my ambitions. I bring them, I bring them, I bring them to you tonight, God. Oh, God. Give us grace. Give us grace. God needs somebody he can trust, church. God needs somebody that won't let pride creep in your life like it did in mine. God needs a generation that'll pray, God, let me so hide in your shadows that no one will ever know my name or they will ever see my face. But God, I pray that as I hide in your shadows, they will see your face and they will know your name. Oh God, help me. Help me for my greatest desire to hide in the shadows of my Redeemer. I'm asking you if you're watching online tonight I'm asking you find an altar right there in your house come on I'm asking you if you've got to get down beside your bed get down beside your couch and say God give me grace to die tonight God there's a call on my life I'm too important into the kingdom God to have pride and untrustworthiness God give me grace to die there's no room for my flesh there's no room for sin there's no room for what grieves you Holy Spirit wash everything in our lives that don't honor you take it out pluck it up by the roots tonight bitterness pluck it up Lord resentment pluck it up tonight oh God envy pluck it up tonight oh God pull pride up by its roots tonight God pull up every sin in our life tonight God pull out every selfish ambition tonight God Father the only thing we long for is your will in our lives finding a generation tonight. He's finding a generation in this altar tonight. He's finding a generation in these pews right now. A generation that He can trust. A people in Indiana, He can trust. A house that He can trust. He chose you. to die well Christ to give it all tonight God no matter what you want tonight we give it to you Lord we give you everything God we give you everything all of it God we give it all whatever it is God we lay it down the one thing that we clung to tonight we give that one thing away We leave it in this altar. We leave it in this place. We put it at your throne, Lord. By your grace, we walk away from it. And our answer to you tonight is yes. If your answer tonight is not yes then you are going to do what Jonah did. Jonah didn't run from his calling. Jonah ran from the presence of the Lord, the Bible says. Because he said no to the the assignment of God for his life. Because he was fearful about what they were going to say. He didn't lay everything down. And when the presence of God came, he ran. Listen to me, you will run from this move of God if you don't lay it all down. You'll run from his presence. And you don't need to run from his presence. You need to run to it. If you don't lay it down, you won't embrace what God's doing and what he's going to keep doing because, Pastor Paul, it's not going to stop. It's just increasing. It's going to intensify. It's coming in waves that if unprecedented, it cannot be measured by anything that's happened in times past. Father, thank you for releasing your glory in this room right now, Lord. Thank you for releasing your glory right now, God. Thank you for waves of glory, God, right now that are refreshing that are changing and transforming us, God. Lord, thank you tonight, God, that tonight, God, it's just the beginning of what I has never seen and ears never heard. But God, I believe tonight by your Holy Spirit is entering into the hearts of your sons and your daughters. Glimpses of what you've called us to do, who you've called us to be, that waves of revelation are coming. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to see broken hearts healed. You're going to see the calloused hearts melt because of the anointing of the King of Glory. You're going to see the presence of God melt away hardened, hardened hearts that were callous to the gospel, and they're going to melt. Lives are going to be transformed because of your obedience. People are going to come to Jesus. You're going to see a harvest that i'm telling you it's a boat sinking harvest. You can't build fast enough. You can't you can't you can't you can't contain it. That's why you got to call other ships in. That's why it's not a one house event. I'm telling you there's more than can be handled in this harvest. And you're the net casters. You are the fishers of men. You are the ministers of His glory because you'll be able to be trusted. God, refine us with your fire tonight. Burn up everything in our lives, God, that's not like you. Father, it's not the feeling that we seek, but it's the transformation. Lord, to host your presence as a church and as an individual. God, our workplaces need you. Our families need you, God. Lord, we make room for you in our jobs, we make room for you in our homes. make room for you Lord in our lives to have your way God's going to have a generation that won't be affected by the power they won't be affected by the money they won't be affected by the by the notoriety. You won't fall into corruption. We've seen it happen over and over. This generation will not be affected by that because they're not in it for any other reason other than the will of God being done. They're not in it for a name. They're not in it for for a career in ministry. They're in it for the glory of God. God's raising an army of lions. He's raising them up right now. That they are that the righteous are as bold as lions that the righteous, listen, the lions, listen, they are more fierce than all of the beasts of the field and turneth away from none. God is raising up a generation of lions right here, right now. You are part of that generation that you will bear the image of the lion of the tribe of Judah. You will never have to prove who you are to anybody. You will never have to defend yourself But you will let the righteousness of Christ that reigns in you defend. The motivation behind everything you will do will be love. The love of God. Everything you do will be empowered by love. That the gifts of God in your life will be more effective than any other generation. can have the gifts without love and there'll be nothing more than clanging symbols. there'll be nothing more than just a trinket but I'm telling you when it's empowered by the nature of who God is the gifts become effective they become instruments that bring the manifestation and the advancement of the kingdom of God and I'm telling you tonight you're losing your identity because you're taking on the identity of Him that it's not I but Christ that liveth in me The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It comes because we're willing to be crucified with Him. We're willing to lay down our lives and our agendas. We're willing to say, God, I don't care. I don't care if anybody knows me. I don't care, God. I just want them to know you. I just want your will to be done in my life, God. No matter how insignificant it may be to others, God, I just want your will if I never have a platform, if nobody ever knows. Just your will, God. Just your will. Just your will. today as we lay down our lives in this altar God I'm asking you for miracles in homes tonight God I ask you for miracles in homes and marriages tonight God Lord I'm asking you God for physical healings tonight that God that there are no physical limitations to the call and the assignment that you have placed upon our lives God remove the physical limitations tonight in the name of Jesus Father, I speak right now to failing memories. I don't know why that God, that people's memory and their, even their mind is failing them but I pray healing over every mind. I, I Right now, I speak healing over the early stages of dementia right now. And God, I speak healing over the early signs of Alzheimer's in the name of Jesus. That God, that there are clear minds in this room because age is not going to stop the fulfillment of the assignment. We have prayed and Waited on this hour all of our lives. We have prayed and, and and waited, God, for this moment. Now, God, I thank you that there will be not one person in this room, God, that will miss their assignment because of physical infirmities. God, I speak, Father, to to diagnoses of of cancer tonight. Be healed in the name of Jesus. God, I speak to physical infirmities, diabetes, God, that would limit people's ability and mobility be healed in the name of Jesus. God, I speak to every hindrance be removed right now. Every hindrance be removed. God, I pray that we lay down every excuse tonight. Every excuse, God. Every excuse we've ever gave you, God. We lay it at this altar tonight. It don't matter about the money. It don't matter because God, you're Jehovah Jireh, God. No more excuses. We say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whew. We say yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. I need you to hear me tonight. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you feel about your own intellect and your own ability, your own academic skills. It doesn't matter. Listen, God is going to surpass surpass any of those things in your life that you feel like are inadequacies. God did not need your ability. God just needs your availability. God needs a dead person that will say, God, here I am. Use me. Do whatever you want to do. Because God, tonight I believe with you all things are possible. Use me, Lord. Here's my life. Mold me with your masterful hands. Mar me until you can mold me, Lord. Work out every flaw. Work out every flaw, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you as my potter. God, I trust you that I am your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for your good works. I trust you, Lord, that I'm your masterpiece in the making. I trust you, Lord, that you take this clay vessel and mold into it whatever you want it to be. Mold me, Jesus. Mold me. Mold me, Holy Spirit. Change me from glory to glory tonight, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, change me from glory to glory. Church, Paul said, "I all that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, and in the fellowship of his suffering." I'm telling you, there's a res—I feel resurrection power shaking in this room. There's resurrection power shaking right now. I'm telling you, where there where there is dying, there is resurrection. I'm telling you what you leave behind cannot be compared to what is being raised up you may have died in this altar with nothing to offer but you're being resurrected tonight to bring forth the kingdom Father we thank you for resurrection power God we thank you for resurrection power emerging in this body like never before father resurrection power coming forth god in indiana oh god i call forth resurrection power raise up an army god raise up an army god raise up an army god raise up an army let the bones rattle let the shaking occur as resurrection power. And God, tonight, as you resurrect a body and an army, I'm asking you, Father, breathe on us tonight, God. I'm asking you, breathe on us tonight, God. Breathe your life in everyone, in this altar, every person, God, in the sound of my voice wind of heaven mighty Russian wind I prophesy to the wind tonight blow blow over Indiana God set down on Indiana set down set down on this region right now Lord God, right now we rebuke every principality, every power, every demonic force of darkness. We come against you. This is the time that you are defeated. You are conquered. You have no right. You have no place. For God's army is emerging and taking the territory. Pastor Paul, this is your region. It's your city. God's raised up this body for such a time. And these bodies that are coming together, I'm telling you, they're coming together, Pastor. God is taking this region. He's sweeping it. He'll shake the city. He'll prepare the hearts. He's gone before you. He's preparing the way. There's an army of intercessors in this house. There's an army of intercessors in this house. There's an army of travailers. There's an army of those that understand the pain of giving birth and what we're giving birth to is not a bigger and a greater church with more numbers but we're giving birth to Christ in us the hope of glory Paul said I travail till Christ be formed in you and that's the heart of this house is to travail till Christ is formed in every person until every person allows Christ to be fully developed Christ to emerge in every believer.
3: state and I feel like there's a, a unity here. I mean I've had the hardest time, hardest time making friends people leading something there's so much division their religion is so territorial it's, it's disgusting. I feel like we're supposed to just as an act of, of unity of those that are here tonight we're going to pray we're just going to intercede I, I'm, I've already prayed I want you guys to pray and just intercede if you guys will just join with us these are pastors and leaders from other ministries around. We're going to believe God to move mightily in this state. I believe there's an awakening in Indiana that's happening. I really do. With all my heart. I believe we're being commissioned into it tonight in a real way. So would you pray?
2: Jesus. Oh, Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord, for all that you're doing right now, Jesus. For how you're moving the hearts of your people right now. We praise you, God. Lord, we thank you for breaking off strongholds in this region God, every bit of religion we break it off in Jesus' name right now Father, you know our hearts, Lord our hearts are for you our hearts pour out for you, Lord Jesus and we thank you, God that you're moving, Lord in this house, in our house and the houses around God, that you're lighting the fires, Lord that you're fanning the flame, Lord God, that the fire is gonna be so bright so big it's going to consume everything that's not of you that's not of heaven God and we thank you Lord that you're burning up everything that's in us that's not of you God that we can move we can move mightily Lord about to do your will to glorify your name to give you honor and glory where it's due where we fell to Lord Where we've taken the glory for ourselves, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you're making us realize, God, that it's you. It all goes to you. We'll play the background, Jesus. We'll play the background, God, that you can have the forefront. Have your way. Lord. Have your way, God. Have your way, Jesus. We magnify you. God, we do thank you, Lord, for that place that you've created in your heart for each one of us to rest in. God, we thank you that you take us to that place often. God, that we would give you our first fruit in the morning when we wake up. God, that we would give you those first hours. Those first hours. I mean hours in the morning, God. Lord, we stay up late sometimes to do the things we want to do, God. We desecrate those hours. And we should spend with you in the morning, Lord. We're in a rush. God, help us to delegate our time. That we would take the morning and give it to you. Jesus, if we have to go to bed earlier at night. To wake up earlier in the morning. To give you that time before we go to work. Prayer is the most important thing, God. That we can grab a hold of right now, seeking your face, sitting at your feet to see your face. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are, for who we are in you. Thank you, Jesus.
4: Thank you for your word, and we just ask God for the, for the pastors here, and uh, just for your people who love you, um, Lord. Their hearts of humility, Lord, strengthen us in your power, your might. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your plans. We would continue to follow you. You continue to lead us. We are Jesus followers, Jesus lovers. Lord, you are the lover of our souls. the souls of your people, continue to outstretch your right arm of deliverance over the lives of your people, that we would truly be pure vessels that you can use to continue to do your work, all for your glory, all the glory yours.
5: We love you, Lord. Lord, it really is all about you. Jesus, thank you that you care about unity more than we do. Yeah. And Lord, I'm sorry that we have not cared about what you care about. Lord, I repent on behalf of the church that has not sought unity with one another. God, I repent on behalf on behalf of the church for being divided. Thank you, Lord, that you prayed. Jesus, before you went to the cross, you said, I ask not only on behalf of these, my disciples, but on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. He was praying for us when he said that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is the glory that you have given me. I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. Guys, he's given us his glory for the sake of unity. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And he says, Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory which you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Lord, we are sorry when we have sought other things but you. Thank you, Jesus, that it is in your presence that we see your glory. And thank you that your glory is more than enough to bring unity in your body. Father, I ask, Jesus, I ask, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would pour out your glory on this region in your presence so that an unprecedented unity would rise up so that the world may see that you, Jesus, are God. Lord, forgive us when we have sought other things. Forgive us when we have sought our own agenda. Forgive us when we have sought our own theology, Lord. Make our hearts run to you. Jesus, it is your presence that we long for. Jesus, it is your presence that we lay down our lives for. It is all about you, Lord. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our churches have your way in this state Lord let your kingdom come
1: I have a communion up here at the stage I don't have enough for all of you but we're going to take this together just as a prophetic statement right here this is Hebrews 2 14 and I just feel like this is what you brought tonight brother I can't thank you enough for this word I can't thank you enough Lord for this house too I was just up here on the carpet just saying, thank you, God, for this house. So thank you, Pastor, for hosting this tonight. I just, I want to read this, this, I want you to listen. I'm going to read this slowly, twice. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. But here it comes, children of God. Hold your hands out if you don't have communion. I want you to hold it out like you're taking it. For this is for the children who have partaken flesh and blood. This is verse 15. And release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I don't know about you, but I felt the fear of death lift off of me. And that the prayer tonight, Lord, let the fear of death the spirit of the fear of death leaves this room and it leaves the region when we partake of the fruit of the vine which is his blood. Lord, this is the fruit of your love for us. And Lord, this region has partaken of the fruit of religion and rebellion. And Lord, we repent for making our own way the sin of Cain where we offer a sacrifice you didn't ask for that brings forth murder and the fruit of rebellion that brings death into the world and the sin of Adam. Lord, we stand before you. and We just repent. We hold out this bread. We say this is the body and the Lord is knitting hearts together tonight. It, it was given for you partake of this. If If you have juice tonight, I want you to just hold it up to your nose and smell it. God, we ask the fragrance of your blood would be in this room tonight. We partake of this. We say, this is the cup that never changes. My blood that was poured out for the sins of many. We take this in Jesus' name.
3: Heal our land. Heal our state, Lord. Heal the bitterness and the offense. Tear down the walls of competition and jealousy and envy and comparison. Let us honor one another and serve one another.
0: These pastors were praying. I saw in this room people running for your crosses and you were screaming, it's an honor. It's an honor. It's an honor. It's an honor to die. It's an honor to take up the cross. It's not drudgery. It's not something you you despise. It's an honor to bear the cross. Because by bearing that cross, you release his fragrance. You release his life. And you understand that. And you're running with the cry. It's an honor. It's an honor.
3: Father, we thank you for what you've done here tonight. Lord, we honor you with our lives. We want to live a life worthy of you, Lord. Lord, let our hearts be good soil tonight. We ask you, Lord, for 30, 60, even 100-fold, that the seed of your word would go down deep into us and bear good fruit. That, Father, You might be glorified. We choose to die with You. Lord, Your Word says if we die with You, we will also reign with You. Jesus, we want to reign with You. First, we must die. We embrace the cross. Let the aroma of death mark our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.